0: Well, good morning. morning. How's everybody doing? Evidently, you're doing fantastic, apparently. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to LifePoint. So glad to have you here to worship with us. If you are new and visiting this morning, uh, welcome. We'd love to connect with you. If you wouldn't mind just texting the word welcome to the number on the screen, 406-219-0314. Follow the prompts. If you're watching online, if you do the same thing, we'd love to uh, connect with you as well. A few quick announcements before we jump in. Uh, Christmas Eve, uh, this Friday, can you believe it? Uh, Saturday is Christmas, Christmas Eve on Friday, two services, 3 p.m. and 5 p.m., uh, choose one, uh, choose both, go to both, if you wanna to go to both. Uh, you'll see the same thing, sing the same thing, and hear the same thing, but uh, it'll be a good time for us to gather together and uh, celebrate uh, Christ, uh, the eve of Christ's birth. Uh, then of course, make a note of this, everyone, December 26, a week from this Sunday, uh, only one service, okay, so the 9 a.m. service uh, is the only service we're gonna have, so uh, just make a note of that. You kind of scaled back, kind of just low-key and family and that sort of thing, but uh, we'll continue our thoughts about Christmas. Uh, and then, uh, let's see what else we got here. Christmas dinners. It, we are still looking for sponsors. If you'd like to uh, sponsor a meal for Christmas, we partnered with our school district. They called us up and said, hey, would you guys uh, sponsors some meals with some families in our school district in our community uh, that are in need and whenever we have that somebody calls and say we have a need uh, we say yes we will help uh, and so we have done that um, we're looking for uh, 50 uh, 50 sponsors at 50 dollars a piece uh, some of that has come in we've already purchased it and actually they've been dispersed already but if you'd like to continue to give to that you still can there's time to do that uh, so encourage you to do that. And then also just kind of an update about our sponsor, a senior, uh, gift bags. Uh, those all went out to RMDC. Our kids last week uh, put all of that together. And uh, we have a quick video for you to watch. them a round of applause. Yeah, Thank you kids and thank you uh, sponsors for making this happen just a fantastic uh, opportunity for our kids to give back uh, to learn to give during the Christmas season and so uh, yeah over 200 bags were donated uh, collectively Uh, 175 of them went to RMDC and uh, boy I can't tell you how much uh, they appreciate Uh, the gifts being given out and uh, the seniors as well. We've already gotten calls from uh, seniors leaving voicemail saying just so grateful uh, for someone to think of them during the Christmas season. And so we're just so, so grateful to do that. We have some bags left and we do this every year to make sure that we have enough for you. If you're a senior and you would like to take a bag, uh, they're at the back Christmas tree. They're just underneath the Christmas tree there. Take a bag on your way out is uh, a gift uh, for, from us to you, and uh, if you know of a senior that you would like to take a bag too, please take one uh, and deliver that to them. We would be overjoyed to be able to share that with others, so uh, glad to be here. I want you to turn to Hebrews 6, and also put your thumb in Luke 2. We're going to be in two different passages. Actually, we're going to be a couple different passages this morning, uh, but we are starting a new three-part sermon series uh, this morning called A Thrill of Hope, A Thrill of Hope, uh, and it's really based on a song that we often sing during the, the Christmas season uh, called Oh Holy Night. You raise your hand if you're familiar with Oh Holy Night, right? You probably have, uh, you know, sung it at maybe a, a Christmas play or in church or whatever the case might be. But uh, let, me, let me read you uh, and maybe just follow along, sing it if you want, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm not, but uh, uh, it says this, it says, Oh Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining it is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, that song. Really, one phrase, of course, as you can imagine, in that song, a thrill of hope. Uh, the Weary World Rejoices. We sing that song every year, and I think we sing a lot of carols. Uh, that last song, Jenna, appreciate you know, just your words and what you said about that song because there's so much in the words of songs that we often sing that just we don't really think about. Right? My hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I mean, think about that, right? Uh, and this song is really no different. And I, I just want to just take a moment and talk about f- a few of these phrases, and then we'll get into some scripture here this morning. But think about this phrase for just a moment, long lay the world in sin in error pining. That, that for such a long time, the world was just desperately hopeless uh, in sin with no hope and no savior. This was the state of the world before Jesus, of course, uh, came. Uh, Till he, Jesus, appeared, and and the soul felt its worth, right? I mean, uh, the soul, humanity, doesn't feel its value or feel its worth until a God says, I love the world so much that I'm willing to come for you, Uh, put on human flesh, and die for you. I mean, think about the worth of humanity, Uh, just in those words there. The value that you and I possess as human beings because God was willing to come for us uh, that we might know him and have a relationship with him. How valuable. And then this line, of course, and this is the line that we're going to really uh, focus in on over the next uh, you know, few days, on Friday and on uh, next Sunday as well, this line that says, A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. You know Christmas, uh, the real Christmas, the original Christmas, and I say that because there's so much in Christmas, isn't there? So many other things. Some of you uh, probably have had conversations with me, and you probably said you're kind of a Grinch when it comes to Christmas, and I kind of am. You know, uh, I love the lights, I love the cookies, I love all of those other things, but those things aren't Christmas. Uh, it's not what makes Christmas Christmas. What makes Christmas Christmas is the fact that a Savior was born, and that should be thrilling to us. Uh, That really should be a thrill of hope, the hope of a savior, that he would come to free us of sin's grip, that he would come and put on human flesh and walk with us through life to know us. And to know what it's like to be a human being so that he might go to a cross for us and set us free. This is the hope that Jesus brought to us, right? And, and I want to propose a question to you this morning as we kind of start this, this, the, our Christmas thoughts uh, today and Friday and even next Sunday. We're going to really think about these thoughts Is this idea of hope. Is, is hope thrilling to you today? Is the hope of Jesus, as we sing that, you know, that phrase and that, that, that uh, song, O oh Holy Night, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, is hope thrilling to you today? As you approach the, the hope of Jesus and the birth of a Savior, is it just like another Christmas and another, you know, time to celebrate the birth of Jesus? Is it really, truly at the core of your heart, the core of your being, is it, is it really thrilling to you? Are we thrilled today? by the hope that Jesus brings us. Are we moved by it? Uh, Are we uh, awestruck over it? Are we grateful for it? Are we motivated by the hope of Jesus Christ? I would propose to you this morning that we ought to be, amen, we ought to be moved by the hope of Christ. Because here's the thing, if hope isn't thrilling to you, The latter part of that phrase, the weariness in the world, I think if if there isn't a thrilling hope of Jesus and what Jesus brings to you, not just for eternity one day and the inheritance that we'll talk about this morning that you one day will have, but the hope that there is now, if there is no thrill of hope in your life, weariness will prevail in your soul. Bitterness and joylessness will prevail in your soul today. We need the hope of Jesus today today just as much as we did the moment we said yes to the Savior, don't we? Well, hope is really a, a part of everyday life, right? I mean, we hope in all kinds of things. You talk about the idea of hope. There's so much hope in the world. We hope for you know all kinds of things. It's really a part of all of our lives. We, we hope for all kinds of different things throughout stages in life. Your children are hoping for Christmas, <laughs> right? They are hoping and anticipating and wishing uh, for Christmas morning with with great anticipation and, and you probably remember what it was like uh, to feel those kinds of things as a child hoping for you know Christmas morning or something to happen as we get older we hope for different things don't we as we get older we hope for you know the one day that we'll have a mate and we'll get married we hope for uh, the, the day that we'll uh, have a family together and, and and maybe be a mom, be a dad be a grandparents we we hope for the to, for the first home that we'll buy, right? That moment of, of, of securing a home, maybe landing that career or taking that exotic vacation. Some of you are hoping for retirement, amen? Any amens there? Yeah, yeah, there's a few, there's a few. Hope for retirement, right? Uh, some of you are, are hoping for a championship here coming from a certain football team. Uh, some of you, yeah, right? I had to throw that in there. Um, some of you, and I'm really, I could care less, I'll be honest uh, either way, but anyways. Um, Some of you are hoping for that tag or, you know, special tag in life. We hope for all kinds of things in life, don't we? I mean, hope, when you think about it, hope surrounds us. Uh, Hope is something that we wake up in the morning and we hope for, you know, whatever, a, a good day or a sunny day or whatever the case might be. Hope surrounds us. It keeps us moving forward. It's part of our everyday lives. But let me ask you this. What happens when we lose hope? What happens when you, as a child of God, Lose hope. What, what happens when the thrill of hope begins to fade in your life? What happens to a weary soul, a weary world, that isn't thrilled by the prospect of a hopeful tomorrow? I think we all know what that's like, don't we? We all know what it's like to live hopeless. At some point in life, you're going to be at a state or a phase and a trial and a struggle in life, and you're going to feel a little hopeless, like there is no hope in my circumstances. There is no hope for living. Life has a way of teaching us as human beings that lesson often. In life, in fact, the Bible teaches us that apart from Jesus, there is no hope. There is no hope. And let me just turn your attention real quick to Ephesians before we get into our our text this morning. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul says, Remember that you uh, you were at that time. There was a time in your life before you had Christ. You knew Christ. You were separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. Listen to this. Having no hope and without God in the world. Every human being. Every single one of us knows what it's like to have no hope, right? We all know what it's like to have no hope. Uh, And so hope, real hope, tangible hope for today and for tomorrow is founded in the person of Jesus Christ, right? I mean, we know that. I mean, we understand that from an intellectual standpoint that that Jesus is our hope, our only hope, not only for salvation, but for living day in and day out, period. Do you believe that this morning? (laughs) Right? Do you really believe that this morning? Does that impact your life today? And I think your thrill will determine that. Uh, Your thrill will really determine that question. So here's the bottom line this morning, really simple, and we've already kind of stated it, but we'll just put it in easy terms, is that the hope of Jesus should still thrill us today. The hope of Jesus, the hope of a Savior, the hope of eternal life, the hope of peace, the hope of comfort, the hope of joy, and all the blessings and all the riches in Christ Jesus It ought to thrill us. We ought to be moved. We ought to have some emotion and some passion and some joy in life because the thrill of hope has come, and he's with us. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? Uh, and, And when you're thrilled by hope, man, you'll live differently. Don't you think that? That is true. When you really go through life and hope is invading your life and moving through your life, that no matter the circumstances you face, that people look at you and they see and they feel and they hear, hope because of Jesus ought to change the way we live. I think we're more effective. I think our faith becomes more contagious when there is a thrill of hope. But the problem for many of us is this. We're not so much thrilled by hope. We're not so much moved by the hope of Jesus in our day in, day out lives. Just like Christmas morning for some of you may not be as hopeful, and you may not be anticipating that morning like your little ones in your home or your grandkids are. You may not have that hope of anticipation in life, and sometimes the longer we're Christians, the more the hope begins to fade in our hearts. But do you remember? Do you remember when you were thrilled by hope? Do you remember that time in your life when you said yes to Jesus and the hope and the prospect of hope and blessings and eternity and, and Jesus walking with you day in and day out? Do you remember what it was like to have that kind of thrill in your heart? Listen, this is the core message of Christmas, is it not? That in an ugly world, we're going to talk about Christmas uh, on Christmas Eve or the weariness of the world. It's going to be really depressing. I'm just going to, I'm going to... Just like key in on that, <laughs> but um, because the world was really depressing. Like when you think about the the world before Christ and in the state that the world was in, man, it wasn't joyful. There was not a thrill of hope. There was a message and this promise, but it was distant, and they didn't see it, and they didn't feel it, and nobody had had any reference really to know is it really going to happen in my lifetime? It was weary. It was weary. The core of Christmas is that there's hope in the weariness, amen, church. The thrill of hope has come. Because of Christ, there is hope, and it's available to us now, and that ought to to move us. And so I want to share some thoughts with you this morning, and I want to stir your hope. I want to reignite your hope for Jesus this morning. I want to reignite your hope and your passion for the Savior who has come for us, uh, that we would be hopeful people. That we would leave this place and and that we would make a difference and reflect hope to a hopeless world. Because let me remind you this morning, the world is pretty hopeless, right? The world today is hopeless and yet you have the hope. If you're not thrilled by that hope, what makes us think anyone's going to look at us and say, boy, I want the hope you have, right? we need to be thrilled by hope today. They need to see it in us. And so we're going to be in a couple different passages this morning. Hebrews 6 is one of them that we'll be in, but I don't think it would be Christmas or the start of Christmas unless we read Luke 2, right? Anybody agree with me on that? I don't know why, but I'm like, we have to read Luke 2 uh, because it's the birth of our Savior. And uh, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time uh, in Luke 2, but it's really going to just refresh our minds on what Jesus has done for us. So let's read that this morning. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, read all the way down to verse 14, and I think of just Linus, like his voice like rings out uh, when I read this. Um, Some of you can relate. In verse 1, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This is the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And just stop there real quick. I love like the timestamp and how accurate and historical the scriptures are. They say, like, this governor was governor during this time, right? Isn't that wonderful? Uh, and Luke gives us such great insight into that. Verse 3, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth. to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for I, uh, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of uh, David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly uh, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Would you pray with me real quick? Lord, we pray that you would reignite our hearts. God, that you would give us a thrill of hope, the hope that you brought on on, on that eventful day and that spreads out timelessly through history. God, may we be people of hope and spread your hope today. May it thrill us, God, and may that uh, that hope be reignited in our hearts today, we pray in Christ's precious name. Amen. Well, this, of course, is uh, the first Christmas, right? The first Christmas. And I love this phrase, good news of great joy that will be for all people. Uh, that wasn't just then and for that time in history. That is certainly for today as well. Good news of great hope. Hope has come. And we're going to talk about that hope today. We're going to talk about hope from two different passages Uh, Hope from Hebrews chapter number six and hope from 1 Peter chapter number one. And so let's do that. Let's read Hebrews chapter number six in verses 13 through 19. Really gonna focus just on verses 18 and 19 because there's two principles we're gonna find from Hebrews six about our hope. This hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This hope that we ought to be thrilled about. We ought to be moved about. It ought to affect our lives. It ought to impact how we Uh, live our lives, especially in a very hopeless world. Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 13, says this, For when God made a promise to Abraham... Remember Abraham, right? We've been talking about that if you've been with us in our Galatians series. God made a promise to Abraham I'll make of you a great nation. You'll have a son. You'll, you'll have an inheritance. And really, uh, the, the great promise was that the Messiah would come through the Jewish race, the Jewish nation. And this promise is made to Abraham. And it says this Since he, God, had no uh, one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. This is God making a promise to a man. What an amazing thing. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, he obtained that promise. In verse 16, for people swear by something greater than themselves and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. I mean, it's just like, that's just like common. Like we do this in, in, in humanity. We have these oaths and we swear by certain things. And it says, so God, when, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character, of his purpose. God wants to show his character to you. He wants to reveal who he is to you. He wants you to see, look at how faithful, how true, how unchangeable I am. He guaranteed it, verse 17, with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, this is where we're gonna uh, lean into here. We who have fled for refuge, meaning we have fled to Jesus, we have fled to the cross, We've gone to the Savior for salvation and to nothing else. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. I so appreciate, Brad, you guys singing that last song because those themes are right there, right in Hebrews uh, chapter number six here this morning. But hope is a theme often repeated uh, really, in the book of Hebrews, it was written, the book was, presumably, to, uh, to persecuted Jews. We don't have a ton of information about them, Hebrews, of course. Uh, but these were people who needed uh, to be reminded that Jesus is better than the Old, Tes- Old Testament sacrifices, that Jesus is the ultimate high priest, that Jesus uh, fulfilled everything at the cross, that there was no need for all of this sacrificial system anymore, because uh, Jesus did it for us at the cross. And so we've been kind of discussing this thought in idea in Galatians, the same theme is found there, that we find refuge, we uh, find salvation, freedom from sin in Christ alone, not in a religious system. And that same kind of thought was happening in the book of Hebrews as well. Like, don't we need to go back to this? Don't we need this sacrificial system? And so the writer is reminding them that Jesus is superior all throughout the book of Hebrews. And when I'm going to spend a whole lot of time really breaking that down. But uh, the author, who is anonymous, someone mentioned to me this past week, hey, I think, you, I think you called Paul the author of Hebrews. And if I did that, I inadvertently did that. Didn't mean to uh, lump Paul into Hebrews because we don't really know. Most commentators and theologians don't know Uh, For sure, there's a lot of ideas about who wrote the book of Hebrews. I'll just go ahead and say this, that we know that the Holy Spirit wrote the book of Hebrews, right? I'll just settle that, right, uh, this morning. Uh, But the writer says this, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. I want you to underline a phrase or make a mental note of that phrase, hold fast to hope. Hold fast to hope. To hope. Let me give you a principle this morning. we give you the three. It's going to be real basic this morning. The first one is this. When you're thrilled by hope, you'll cling to hope. Amen? When hope is something thrilling to you, when hope is, is this thing that you would say, it's thrilling, it's exhilarating, it's life-giving, it's something that drives my soul and drives my life, that no matter what I face in life, there is a deep-seated hope that I'm thrilled by in life. When you're thrilled by hope, you're actually gonna cling to hope. And that's what the author of Hebrews is saying is that we gotta hold fast to the hope set before us. Let me ask you to consider something today. When hard times hit, anybody ever have hard times in life? <laughs> Just a few of you. Like, man, Tell me the rest of you what you do. Like, I wanna know. Um, but man, when those times come, right? When trouble comes to your life, when hard times hit, when things don't go your way, what do you cling to most in life? You see, even as a Christian, we we know the answer, and we know what we're supposed to do, but what you cling to is gonna reveal what your hope is in, isn't it? What you go to, first and foremost, when trouble hits and hard times hit in life is going to reveal really where your hope is seated in. What's your go-to when things go bad? Is it the bottle? For a lot of people, it is. Uh, Is it relationships, even? Well, the relationships aren't bad. Well, it's not your hope. Listen, your mate in life, your spouse, is not your hope in everything. Let me just tell you that this morning, right? If it is, you'll be let down. That's why there's so much turmoil in relationships. You put all 100% of your hope in a person, that person's going to fail you. Our hope is got to be in Jesus, right? Is it in spending, right? That hope of just like, you know, that thrill and exhilaration of spending and indulging in something in life, or is it the thrilling hope found in Christ? We know what the answer's supposed to be, but is it really? To how we live. But Jesus is our constant hope for all things, not just our salvation, but our daily living. Later in the book of Hebrews, the writer would say this, we're to look unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And we're to look to him for all things, in all things, in all circumstances, no matter if it seems hopeful or hopeless, Jesus is our hope. We're to look to him, and when we do, we cling desperately to that hope. Are you clinging to hope today? In the midst of all the things we've faced in the past year, the past two years, uh, maybe your life personally, the loss that you've experienced, what do you cling to? Let me tell you, if it's not the hope of Jesus Christ, you will live a weary life. If it is not the hope of Jesus, it will be a weary life. And that is a sad way to live, even for a Christian, isn't it? Right, uh, and, and so Jesus is our hope, and that's not just some pithy sentimentalism. We're to cling to the hope found in Christ. God wants us to cling to Him. Right? That's the first principle. Here's the second thing this morning. Just kind of go quickly through this. When your hope, uh, when you're thrilled by hope, hope becomes your anchor, an anchor of the soul. I love this. In verse number 19, it says, "We have this as a sure and steadfast." anchor of the soul of hope that enters into the inner place found or uh, place behind the curtain uh, this is kind of an interesting way to describe our hope as, as an anchor, and I, I think it's interesting. An anchor is meant to hold a ship or a boat uh, you know, at the bottom of the sea or, or the bottom of a lake. If you've, if you've ever fished before in a boat you know, and you wanted to jig over a school of fish, I man, you like got to anchor up, right? Uh, and as the waves come and as the seas hit that boat and as the tide moves and the current pushes and, and, and the tide changes and all of those things happen, when it goes against that ship, it stays. It stays if it's anchored. And that is the image of you and I as a Christian today. As the storms hit our lives, as the troubles, you know, come and the waves crash and the tide changes and things just change in life, that we're anchored in the person of Jesus. And that's an interesting, interesting image in anchor. And I find it interesting because our anchor, when you think of an anchor, you throw it overboard and it goes down, right? And it hits the bottom of the ocean and hopefully it sticks in the mud and, and holds you there, right? But our anchor isn't down. Our anchor isn't in this world. We don't throw an anchor over and, you know, uh, it, it holds us you know, down to a certain point. Our anchor is up, seated in heaven at the right hand of God. Jesus is our anchor and the anchor is up, amen? The anchor is up. Uh, And and it's kind of like a climber. I'm not a climber. Any climbers? I know there's some climbers. Yeah, you like to climb. I'm going to use an illustration, and hopefully I won't butcher it because I'm not a climber. But I think think this this illustrates better uh, our, our image to Christ, a climber who is going to uh, set a route. You know what I'm saying? You're going to set a route for other climbers behind. There's no anchor lines. There's no set lines, so to speak, in. And that first climber goes up and, and they anchor those, those stakes in and they clip those lines in so that the people coming up behind can traverse that route safely. And Jesus was the one that set the line. Amen? Jesus was the one that set the anchor and the lines in order for us to find our way to to God, this is what Jesus has done. Uh, He set the route for us, and he went where we couldn't go, right, we couldn't do it, and that's what uh, the writer of Hebrews is saying, into the inner place behind the curtain, what does that mean? That, that the anchor, this hope that we have that went into the, the, the inner place, went into behind this curtain, what is that? That's into the very presence of God, the tabernacle, this place where God says, I want you to build this tabernacle, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to dwell between the holy, behind this uh, curtain, and the holy of holies will be my very presence. And not just anyone could go into the presence of God. In fact, in, for the Jewish nation, once a year, the high priest, as you might be familiar with, would go into the holy place and he would bring a, a blood sacrifice from a, from a bull and, and he would take that blood and he would put that blood on the altar and on the horns and it was, it was a, a sacrifice for the sins of the nation. But it was insufficient and it wasn't effective because every year, year after year, that high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies and offer it. But Jesus... He went in once, and he offered his blood once before God, and it was sufficient. Jesus is our anchor, church, and this is what he has done for us. The line has been set. You're secure in the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you. And so is that your hope today? Are you anchored in that hope this morning? Uh, Is it what anchors your soul through the storms of life? I I can't imagine. Can you going through life without Jesus? I can't imagine navigating the struggles and the, the trials of life. Many of you know our, our family situation, going through a cancer diagnosis. I, mean, I just can't imagine walking through life having no hope in Jesus and him not being our anchor. Uh, John MacArthur said this. He said, I find it frightening to even contemplate living life without hope. Isn't that interesting? That it would be a frightening thing. That it would be bleak. He said, that is a terribly, oh, no, it's small up there. I'm like, oh, I can't read it. It's up here. Uh, it's bleak. Because apart from Jesus, there is no hope. And we say that, apart from Jesus, there is no hope. Do we actually believe it, right? Do we actually believe it this morning? For many of us, uh, the problem is that we let loose of the anchor. You ever done that before? When you're fishing and you want to, like, drift or whatever the case might be? And often what happens is you, you let off the anchor. And all of a sudden, you start drifting. And for many of us, we do the same thing in life. And we think, I don't need to be tethered to Christ. I don't need the anchor. I can do it on my own. And we drift, and we get so far away. And we think, how did I drift so far away from the anchor of Jesus Christ? Listen, uh, you can't stay put without the anchor. Amen? You can't stay put without the anchor. I've tried. Uh, If you do, you'll drift to places you never wanted to be. And let me remind you of something. Satan wants you to drift. Satan wants you to be untethered from the anchor of Jesus. Satan wants you to have no hope. He wants to crush your hope so that you live hopelessly in this world. And so when you're thrilled by hope, you'll cling cling to hope. And and hope becomes an anchor for your soul. Some of you, more than anything this morning, you need that more than anything else today. That you need that hope in the midst of pain, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of the trials of life. For, for some of you, Christmas is a very painful thought and painful memory that, that reignites uh, uh, in your heart year after year. But there is hope in Jesus Christ. Are you anchored in that hope this morning? Here's the third thing that we're going to talk about this morning uh, is this, is that hope is thrilling because it's living and real. Hope is thrilling because it's living and it's real. I want to remind you this morning that the hope that you have in Jesus is not some crutch. It's not some ethereal, kind of mysterious kind of hope that you just wish something to happen and, and it, you, know, you don't really know for sure, but, but it's something that you're just kind of wishing to happen in life. This hope that you have, the word of God says, it's living and it's real and it's tangible and you can experience this kind of hope today it's found in first peter chapter one in verses three through six notice it with me uh, starting in verse number three blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ he is to be praised he is to be blessed he is to be worshipped and, and peter gives us the reason why that is the case why are we to bless uh the, the god and father of our lord jesus christ because of this According to his great mercy, what did he do? He has caused us, you and I, to be born again. Let me remind you this morning, you didn't cause you to be born again. Amen? This is the whole book of Galatians, right? You didn't work your way to salvation. You didn't work your way to be born again. God caused it. Not you, not me, right? We need to be reminded of that truth this morning. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance uh, that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. The hope that you and I have, I have today is a living, intangible hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's a living, intangible hope Because we serve a living Savior. See, this is what sets Christianity apart from so many other religions today. Religions, you find a grave and a tomb with bones in it of a person. But not with Jesus. You don't find a grave, you don't find a tomb, you don't find the remains of Jesus Christ. You find... A risen Savior. Isn't it interesting, this kind of resurrection information and evidence here, but isn't it interesting that even the critics of Jesus during his day couldn't, couldn't prove a body? Couldn't. I mean, all they had to do was find a body and say, here he is, he's dead. And they couldn't. So even the critics of Jesus could not disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is alive, amen? And if that's true, that ought to change the way we live, That ought to give us hope that we have a Savior who has conquered sin and conquered death. And I have that same hope today, ought to cause us to live differently. John MacArthur went on to say this. He said, we're not talking about a dream or a vision or something we plan because we want it to happen. We're talking about a reality, he said, all bound up in the purposes of God and anchored in the work of Jesus Christ. I love that, don't you? Anchored in Jesus, anchored in the person, in the work of Christ. Do you think it matters what you believe about Jesus? Yes, it does. That's why doctrine is so, so crucial to our hearts and to our souls. We have this knowledge that we go back to and we lean upon constantly because we know this is true. And this is real. And this is tangible. That's a thrilling hope, church. A thrilling hope. It's not some pipe dream, it's not some crutch, but it's real and it's based on the eyewitness testimony from those who have gone on before us who would die for this. Peter himself would would be crucified upside down. He would die for this hope because he said it's real and it's living and it's tangible. But notice something else here. Because Peter goes on. He says, not only is this a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but he says, I want, I want to refresh this. I want to, this to be reignited in your hearts, Christian, that you might know what this hope is that you were thrilled by. Notice in verse number 14, or number four, Peter says, to an inheritance. This is your hope. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Why is he to be blessed? Why is he to be praised? Why is he to be worshipped? Because he has caused us to be born again and he has given us an inheritance. Remember from our Galatians series, you're an heir, right? You're an heir uh, to a throne, and that is thrilling. If that doesn't send chills down your spine, I don't know what will (laughs) that would shake us and move us. What is this inheritance? You know what? I don't know. (laughs) What is this inheritance? I don't know everything that we will inherit in heaven, but I do know a few things. If you're here with us in our Heaven series, you're reminded of a few of the things that we learned in our Heaven series. Like, what does this look like? And what is this hope that we will experience? It'll be a new heaven and a new earth, right? We know that from the book of Revelation, a new heaven, a new earth. This new creation includes talking animals. You remember that? There's animals flying over, proclaiming God's greatness and proclaiming these truths. Read the book of Revelation, right? It includes the very visible God that we will be in his presence and see him as he is. How thrilling and how amazing. It includes the saints of old. It includes family that has gone on before, that is believed in the person of Jesus Christ. It includes all of these magnificent things. It's part of your inheritance it'll never fade. It'll never fade. It'll never be stolen. It'll never rise and fall with the stock market or the economy, but it's pure. It has no expiration date and it's yours. This is your hope and it's thrilling. Christian, tell me today God's not good. Tell me God's not good. And I will show you a God who is abundantly good and abundantly gracious, a God who pours out his blessings now and forever upon those that are his, a God of promise, a God of hope, who came, who came. Because the world was hopeless And he desired for humanity, for people to have something to cling to in life, something to anchor their soul to that's not of this world, that is eternal and that is lasting and that's living and that's real and that's tangible so when we go out of this place, we can look people in the eye who are hopeless and desperate and say, there's real hope. And it's not some pipe dream, but I believe it. And I want you to know it church, how could that change the impact of the church in the world today? If we really, if we really were thrilled right now by the hope of Jesus Christ. This hope should still thrill us this morning. Does it thrill you today? Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite our worship team back up this morning. And as they're coming, I want to just leave you with these thoughts this morning. What are you clinging to today? I know you know the right answer. I know you have an intellectual understanding of your hope, who it is and where it's seated. If if you don't, let me tell you this morning, Jesus came. Christmas is all about Jesus coming, putting on human flesh, not to just be a baby, but to live a sinless life and to walk this road of humanity so that he could pay the ultimate price for you. And he offers that same thing today to you, life, through the person of Jesus Christ. And he went to a cross and he died for you and he was buried for you. And three days later, he rose from the grave and people saw him alive. And he conquered sin and he conquered death. And he says, I'm giving you hope, but I won't make you and I won't force you to take it. But it's yours if you want it. If you need that this morning, The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved from an eternal damnation and punishment in a place separated from God for all eternity. That's some bad news, but the good news is that there's hope through Jesus. But what what are you clinging to, Christian, this morning? What is it that you're really clinging to today when the hard times hit in your life? Is it the hope found in Jesus? Are you anchored in him today? Listen, if it's not the thrilling hope of Christ, you're missing it, Christian. You're missing it, Christian. You're missing it. And church will be meaningless. And worship will be stale and boring to you. Unless you have this thrilling hope in your hearts today. Real hope is in Christ. And God this morning just offers to us today, cling to me. Find your anchor in me because it's not found in the world. There's hope in the world, isn't there? I mean, there's things that we hope for and we get some element of hope, but it's not real hope. And it's not eternal hope and it's not lasting hope and it's really not tangible hope. There's only real hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. Cling to him today, anchor your soul in him today. Be thrilled, be thrilled by hope. Father God, this morning, we're so grateful for the hope that is found in Christ. Not in this world, not in what the world can offer, not in the presence under a tree, or the hope of lights and the feeling of emotionalism. God, there's real hope in the person of your son. And so God, we're grateful, and God, we're thrilled. Thrill us more. with the hope reignite this thrill in our hearts? Not just for us, that we might walk through life, through the trials and through the struggles, having deep-seated, anchored hope, God, but that we might reflect this hope to a lost and hopeless world. They might see Jesus in us. They may see the hope that we have through every circumstance, that they might confess you, believe in you the same. God, we worship you, we praise you, we magnify your name. God, thrill us this day with the hope of Christ. This season, we're so desperate for it, and the world needs your hope. We pray in Christ's precious name. Worship one last time with us.